Are you sleepwalking through your business and ready to wake up, take control, and make things happen? That's what we're doing today with my new co-host, Amber Furman, right here, right now. It's On Air Brands Live. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the show. I am, as previously in season two, still your host, Todd Genitasio. But today with us is my new co-host for season three of the On Air Brand show. Welcome to the party, Amber. Hey, I'm so happy to be here. It's so exciting. And I'm so I'm so glad that I don't have to pronounce your last name over and over again. Like I'm glad you got that covered. <laughs> I've been practicing it for a while, so I got it down. I like it. Yeah, yeah so yeah, exciting so. to have you here, Amber. Thank you, thank you for being here and and being uh, you know the star, the shining star with Todd here as well. It's going to be fun. It's going to yeah, be a so. good time. Thanks for um, trusting me with your peoples. Oh yeah, yeah. We're excited to have you and uh, and having our our wonderful co-hosts. We have a party of four today with Mr. Eric Cabral and Josh Carey, who are officially passing over the torch uh, into season three, which we're kicking off today. And uh, we will give you a little farewell at the end here, gentlemen. So thank you guys very much for the awesome season two, where we really had a primer uh, master classes on how why and uh, what to do to launch and grow a show for your business, right? I mean, that was season two. So everybody go check that out at onairbrands.com slash show, binge watch, binge listen to season two for that primer. And uh, here in season three, I'm excited to dig in with Amber uh, as you know, she is a perfect case study of, study of someone who did launch and grow a show along with her business. And uh, Amber, why don't you give us a little background on on your story on what exactly your business is and how you got started there so that people uh, know what we're talking about? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm a success architect. I'm a recovering perfectionist, a serial accomplisher, and somebody who spent her entire life thinking that accomplishments would fill something, would accomplish, accomplishments would make me would make me happy. Um, and that led to law school. And for some reason, I think that a lot of people in our generation can relate to this for some pre for some reason, it was a six figure income. I don't know who put that in our mind <laughs> that like six figures equals success, mm. but when you get it, you're like, this really isn't that much, right? <laughs> like all the things, you know, I'm not buying my house in Italy. Living in New Jersey. Like, <laughs> right. Like it's not, it's not that much, but for some reason that was the number. And I tell people that the most dangerous thing that can happen when you tie your external happiness or your happiness to an external version of success is that you just might hit it. Because one of two things happens, you either chase it forever, and it's like that pot of gold at the end of the rainbow that just keeps getting further and further away, or you hit it. And when you do, the world doesn't change. And your model of the world that you've spent your entire life living under shatters. And you're like, I don't even know which way is up. And that's what happened to me. In 2016, I hit that and I started suffering from panic attacks and anxiety attacks oh. and had to figure out what 
I was going to do what I felt, what I needed. And I was about six months into therapy when I looked at my, my therapist and said, I just feel like such a failure. Mm-hmm. And she says, Amber, you have a six figure income. You have a law degree. You're the first person in your family to go to college. You support yourself. Like what exactly does success mean to you? Mm-hmm. And isn't Everybody that the question, knows. right? Yep. And I'm like, I don't know. I'm 34 years old and nobody's ever asked me that. Wow. So for the last six years, I've um, worked on figuring that out. I found neurolinguistics programming. I decided whether I was going to stay in the law. I found a, a business that complemented what I do. And now my mission is to help people ask that question to themselves every single day. What does success mean to you? How is today a success? How is tomorrow going to be a success? And what does a successful life, business, spirituality, relationship, what does a successful life look like to you? And you're still a practicing attorney on top of that. I am. I am because um, I clearly am a recovering serial accomplisher, but not a recovering over accomplisher. So <laughs> like I got to keep it all apparently. That's awesome. And so when you started this new business, which is, you know, people want to find it, where, where is that? It's called Success Development Solutions. And honestly, I'm in a rebranding for my website right now. So the best place to find it is my podcast, More Than Corporate. And yep. that's at morethancorporate.com. Awesome. I wanna, and so, yeah, I just ahead. wanted to ask Amber to uh, clarify something. The The term success architect, what exactly is that? What does that mean? So success architect, first of all, I made it up, which is amazing. <laughs> like I knew that I was going to start this coaching business and I didn't want to be just another coach, right? I feel like there are some amazing coaches out there and I want to preface this by saying that. And at the same time, just like the word entrepreneur, there are a lot of people that can't figure it out for themselves. So they slap entrepreneur on their name or they slap coach on their name and they try to teach others how to do it. And I wanted to avoid that stigma. Mm-hmm. So um, I thought at the time of what exactly do I do in helping people design their life? There was also this other part of it, which is my dad passed away when I was 17 and and his death has, and his life has a huge impact on who I am and what I do. And he was a contractor and I felt this need to continue to honor him in what I was doing. And so this architect term was my way of giving a nod to my dad, of remembering what it was like watching him play on CAD, watching him make blueprints for houses that he was building. Like originally that was the architect thing. And then as I started to figure out my brand, I was like, no, it's perfect. Like, this is what I do. I architect people's lives. And then I give them the tools and resources and help them find a team to help them actually build and bring that life into a reality. I love the idea of just owning, you know, coming up with owning your own title and and description, Mm. like success architect. You know, we, uh, in our, in our planning meeting, we talked about a couple examples of people who just stepped up and took ownership of who and what they wanted to be and how it frames them. You know, our friend, um, you know, Jeffrey has, Hazlitt has global business celebrity, which when he, when he coined that it wasn't something people had yet. And he just started showing up and said, when people said, what is it? You know, he said, oh, well, you know, I'm a, I'm a global business celebrity. I create content. I'm on, you know, media assets all over the place. And that became his thing. And people became to know him for that uh, because he just made it up and owned it. Right. And then Mm -hmm. Frank Kern has a great fictional example, which ties into some of the NLP stuff that we're going to be getting into. But Frank Kern, and I I have to read this off. For those of you who don't know, he's a direct response uh, marketer, got very big in internet marketing in the 90s. Um, 
and he would in, be introduced at events and on podcasts and such as Dr. Frank Kern, attorney at law, the chief engineer with NASA, now retired, currently serving as a cosmo, cosmetologist for the Avon Corporation. And in addition to those duties and specialties and areas of practice is also a direct response internet marketing, marketing copywriter and consultant, which is a whole mouthful. And it was something that he started using. And I think actually president of the internet was at some point in that, in that description that he used. And it was half joking, which also showed his personality as a guy who kind of banters and BSs. And it was part of the fun that he was having. Um, and then what I recently learned was that although all of those are fake and he, he would say that too, these are fake titles. Um, but what happened was by having this fake authority title, even though he was saying it was fake, it pre it, it pre positioned everyone to think this guy's an authority. They heard the words doctor, attorney, chief wow. engineer, NASA, and it was like, oh, ha ha ha, that's funny. But it, it it still, even though it was a joke, set people up to position him as an authority mm -hmm. because of all those words that he was just pre framing them with. Wow, that's that's super cool. And, you know, it's really interesting because we had talked in a previous uh, meeting when we were preparing for PodMax about this quadrant system that I had told you guys about when you're talking to people, your why people, your what people, your how people, and your what if people, right? Mm -hmm. And so no matter what you're doing, it starts with this why people. And we had mentioned this in the, in the um, planning meeting that we all want to start with like, who we are, like what's our name, right? But as people, we don't tune in and start listening to things until we know why we should. Yeah. Like what exactly is, and it sounds so selfish to say, but what exactly is in this conversation for me, right? Like uh -huh. how can you help me? And so when you start off by saying, hi, my name's Amber. And if you think, if you think back to the beginning of your marketing journey, when you're, what do you do? Oh, well, I make spreadsheets and I do this. And they're like, no, that's how you do it. What do you actually do for people? Right. And that's your like 30 second elevator pitch that you come up with, which is great. But what do you say to people to make them listen? Mm. Because your name like how many conversations have you been in where you're like, hi, my name's Amber. This is what I do. And they're not listening. And then you get something that matters. And they're like, whoa, 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 wait, what was your name again? Right. <laughs> because now they think it's important to listen. So when yeah. you start with all that yeah. stuff and then you're like, this is who I am, they remember you. Yeah. And that's exactly why we start the shows with the question, right? Like, here's the question we're tackling today, because that's what people want to pay attention to. They don't care that I'm Todd, the host. This is On Air Brands. We are using microphones to broadcast this. And you should listen because today we're talking about, all right, we're 15 seconds in and who cares about all that other stuff, right? Yeah. I don't know the exact number. Like you probably will know more than me, Todd, but I think it's like four, five, six seconds, something like that, that you have to capture someone's attention. And yeah. if you don't do it in that amount of time and tell them why should they should be listening, you've lost them. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very brief and it, it's all contextual to the, to where you're trying to get attention, right? Like a scrolling newsfeed. If you have your finger flipping through, like you have a half a second to get someone to stop scrolling, then you have two seconds to get them to tap the volume on. And then you have seven seconds for them to decide, do I want to keep listening behind this? That all those with a grain of salt, but you know, as opposed to if you're in an elevator with someone, they're not going anywhere for 45 seconds. So they have to listen to what you're talking about. Yeah. But, um, but yeah. And, and so, you know, these kind of things are all, you know, every little bit matters. You know, it's it's kind of like a paradox of the micro and the macro all make a difference, right? Like we talked about last week on the show that every in every individual listener makes a difference and you can impact one listener at a time.
even if the one listener is the person on the other side of the microphone, if you're having, if you're doing an interview, but then at the same time, you have to think big picture of, okay, well, we are talking to a lot of people or we, we want to continue to grow and reach more people. And, and you're balancing this like one person versus large audience. Same thing goes with language and, and speaking patterns where like the, the fundamental spirit and essence of what you're trying to convey is like that overarching big idea, quote unquote, is like, that matters the most, but at the same time, every word, every order of words that you say things in, like they all make a difference to if people are going to pay attention or not. Because if you say the stuff that they don't care about first, then they're like, okay, this is something I can tune out. And like you said, then you say something important, they might not be listening anymore and it's gone. So you have to make sure you're putting the right things in the right place so that they start paying attention and they keep paying attention. Yeah, absolutely. And this is a learned skill because I was talking to somebody at the dog park this morning about what it's like to do a podcast on video and then share it to an audio source and making the connection that the people who didn't get to watch you on video can still understand everything. Mm -hmm. And as an attorney, I've had to be doing that for the last 10 years of my career, because if I lose a case, the people that review that case on appeal only get the transcript. I have to make sure that when wow. they read that transcript, they understand it mm. as if they were sitting in the courtroom. We mm. as human beings think, I know this, so the person I'm talking to must know it as well. And we leave out super important details that would create that why they should be listening. And then sometimes when we break it down, we're like, man, I'm treating them like they're six years old. Like they have to know this, but we make the mistake of imparting what we know onto the people around us. And then because they don't actually know what we know, they miss the parts of why they should listen. Yeah. It's the curse of knowledge, right? So, you know, on, um, today's earlier show, the Podmax podcast. So for our listeners, make sure you're subscribed to that. Uh, you know, Josh and Eric were talking about um, building a platform, building a podcast as a platform and how it how it integrates with a business and how, you know, very few people make money because they have a large podcast and they have advertisers where really it's more about using the podcast as a platform for your business. And so, Amber, can you tell us, like, what made you decide, you know, your 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 main focus is designing success. So when you were thinking about your business, you decided that having a show for your business was a good idea. So can you walk us through your thought process on like, how did you decide on wanting a show and getting started and mate and how it made sense to integrate with your business? Yeah. So I, mine was actually backwards. And I think this is the way most people are, right? Very few people think, okay, I have a bit a business. I want to start a podcast unless they're listening to the amazing advice from this show. Um, what happens instead is you're like, I have stuff I want to say to people. Mm -hmm. This is my passion, right? So I'm going to do this and share this story. And then people start coming to you and you're like, holy cow, like people actually want this. And so for me, I talked about, you know, my breakdown in 2016. And when I started to recover from that, I wrote this blog post and it was called, but did you die? Right. And it was this play on anxiety because we go to these worst case scenarios. Like what happens if they take my law license away? What happens if, you know, all of this stuff. And then it's like, but at the end of all of that, if all of that happens, you're still breathing, like you're still alive, you get to move on. Right. And I remember sending it to a friend of mine and he said, Amber, this is amazing. You can't put your name on this. It'll ruin your career. Mm -hmm. And I said, what do you mean? And he says, 
Nobody wants to hire an attorney that talks about anxiety, depression, panic attacks. <laughs> they don't. That's that's not what they think of an attorney as. Well, a defining part of my journey was Brene Brown and the power of vulnerability. And she talks in The Power of Vulnerability about if courage is a value that I hold, then this is a consequence, right? So I played around with it for a minute. He says, you can put it around out anonymously. Mm. And I said, you know, if courage is a value that I hold, I cannot put something that talks about authenticity, vulnerability, mm. and not put my name on it. Mm. I, wow. I do it or I don't. Wow. So I put my name on it. I sent it. I, I published it and I waited for the fallback. And instead what I got was I suffer from anxiety too. Like attorneys reaching out to me saying, this is a huge problem. And I thought, if this is a huge problem, why are we not talking about it? Like, why does everybody think they have to suffer in silence? So as I got through NLP training, at least the first part of it, and kind of loosened my identity with Amber, the attorney, I thought if sharing my story, if really sharing my story means that I can't have a successful law career, then I'm not meant to have a successful law career because this is what I'm meant to do. And so I started my podcast called More Than Corporate, where we talked about your identity. We talked about um, anxiety. We talked about what it looks like to really be more than your career. And as I did that and people started reaching out to me, I realized that this idea of not knowing what success means, this while my story is unique to me, the theme of it, of just going through life thinking success is going to appear when you do enough stuff mm. is a huge widespread problem. And the more I did that, the more I thought I owe it to myself and others to share the knowledge that I have. And my coaching business was built from that. I share that story because shifting it from a passion project to a business was a hell of a lot harder <sighs> than creating it as a business podcast to begin with, because you have this audience that doesn't, for the last eight, nine months, you haven't treated it like a business. You haven't had calls to action. You haven't had organization. You haven't had a purpose other than just to talk and share your your story. And then when that shifts to driving your business, now all of a sudden you've got an audience falling off. You're building a new audience because they connect with you for different reasons. And there was kind of this point in my podcast where it became a marketing tool for my business. And I had to completely redefine my audience. I love that. And it goes, you know, it, it's something that we talk about a lot is that part of the content that businesses should be putting out. And part of the reason that I love podcasting and having a show for businesses is because it puts a face and voice and name to a business, right? So even regardless of your business size, uh, you know, we, we broke down a couple examples of large companies that are putting faces out like Drift. Drift has a bunch of shows um, and they have all their different internal leaders have shows, right? So it doesn't have to be just a solopreneur has a podcast for their business, but, but being authentic, being the real you and telling your stories and showing, you know, being vulnerable and letting people in and seeing that is how you build strong connections with your audience. Like it can't just be buttoned up information or how to or tutorials or those kind of things. Like you have to show your personality if you want to have a true connection and relationship with your customers, listeners, viewers, whoever it is that's paying attention. 
Yeah, absolutely. And and I will say for so long, I worked so hard to keep my podcasting, business coaching, success architecture life separate from my, my attorney life. And I wouldn't talk about it to attorneys. I wouldn't tell attorneys that I had my podcast. I wouldn't post to it on my public social media site because I was so afraid of talking about it. And then as soon as I realized like, Amber is like, so I'm into mind mapping recently. So Amber is like the big mind mapping bubble, right? And then all of this stuff comes off of Amber and it like creates who you are, but like, that's my identity. And I started realizing these things complement each other. And so I, I uncomfortably started sharing my podcast. And although it was never intended to build my law firm, I've had probably four or five clients in the last few months that I'll be on a consultation with them and they'll say, oh, by the way, I wanted to let you know I listen to your podcast every morning. And it's really nice to be able to put a face to the name and know that my attorney like understands how I feel. That's amazing. That's amazing. It's and, and it's completely opposite from what we thought was going to happen when I shared my story, right? Right, right. yep. And, and it's this idea that like the people who resonate with who I am and what I do mm-hmm. are going to resonate with the podcast as well. Um, you got to show up as you, right? And then that's, look, we say it all the time, your vibe attracts your tribe. And so when you're doing this, when you're putting out content, when you're being your, your true self mm-hmm. and sh- telling your stories and all these things, the people who you are going to have the most fun with or the most impact with, and you're going to enjoy working with making your business fun are the people who are attracted to the stuff you're putting out. Mm -hmm. So if you don't, if you try to pretend to be someone else or you hide that part of yourself, you're going to attract people that are not vibing Mm -hmm. with who you really are. And so it just makes your whole life easier. And so that's part of the, like, you know, designing for success that I love is, is being your real self, owning it, and then putting that message out there using the show format, whether it's audio or video, like like we're doing. Yeah, absolutely. And I know everybody on this call and, and probably everybody listening will be able to relate to a situation like this where you're trying to force a relationship, whether it be mm-hmm. personal or business. Maybe it's somebody doesn't resonate with your value and they want to haggle on price or, you know, you yeah. try to fit something in and tell me if that relationship does not end up being one of the most ridiculous mm. things in your life that you want out of. Right. Yeah. Like that client becomes that client that you're like, man, I knew this was going to happen. Like, <laughs> you just, you end up going, you know what, this was never a good fit in the first place. Why yeah. did I try to force it? Um, but we let these societal expectations of what our business should look like, what our life should look like, dictate the type of clients we take. And then we put ourselves in that situation. If we did what you said, Todd, and was true to ourselves and let our vibe attract our tribe, we would avoid those situations entirely. Yeah. And, you know, I know people who, and I, I'm shifting to this, um, as we, you know, actively as our pathway to becoming a client of ours is that where there's no way to get in touch with this, with these people. There's a lot of this different businesses. There's no way to contact them to hire them for their services unless you opt in for a free ebook training, whatever. And then you get email sequence follow-ups and retargeting for a month before you ever see the opportunity to buy from them. And it's intentional because they only want customers buying from them or clients hiring them who have been indoctrinated into these are our values. This is our personality. This is all those kind of things, along with being more educated, uh, you know, in terms of being a better client, you know, being educated is always going to help everybody. So, you know, being able to put this out as a, um, a buffer between, 
what like because because how often everyone does it on both sides of the coin where you need something you rush and hire somebody because you thought you were in a rush and then it doesn't work out like i you know i have friends who have been hiring an, a cheap web designer every year for seven years mm. no joke mm -hmm. when like if you just hired the right web designers <laughs> seven years ago maybe you know what maybe it wouldn't last seven years but it would last a few years rather than we hired someone paid them paid them paid them launched it needed to hire someone new paid them paid them paid them right like you know, it's like the the cheap attorney is uh, the one where you end up in jail, right? Like, <laughs> right. You know, it's crazy. I'm so glad you mentioned the employee side of it because, you know, it works both ways on the hiring side and on the client side, right? But to put it in perspective of people don't buy what you do, they buy who you are, right? I don't drink coffee. And maybe oh, three sorry, times, what? I know, right? <laughs> um, maybe three times a week, I'll go to Dutch Brothers and get coffee and I'll be in their line. And I'm like, I don't drink this crap. Like, why am I here? <laughs> but it's because they're so positive. They're so like, I start my day off with this like emotional charge. And I had commented to a friend of mine and I said, no matter which Dutch Brothers around the country that I go to, it is always the same experience. And I want to know how they create this. It has to be from the top up in order to create this company wide. Well, I was watching reruns of the show Undercover Boss and the creator of Dutch Brothers went on Undercover Boss. And I found out from watching that show that you cannot buy a, a Dutch Brothers franchise unless you work for them for three years. Huh. Like you work for them That's for three cool. years. They make sure that you share their values. They make sure mm -hmm. that you fit into the culture of what they want. And if you make it that three years, then they will consider the opportunity to allow you to buy a franchise. That's very Isn't cool. this exactly what one of our keynotes the past few times, Perry Marshall talks about when he says rack the shotgun. Yes, exactly. In place to tell us what that is. Yeah, he, he has a, a longer version of the story, but basically you don't want to mess with people who know the sound of a shotgun or are comfortable with it, right? And so you went in, brought somebody into a, a seedy place of town, racked the shotgun, and he said, anyone who didn't turn around, we don't want to mess with them, right? Like Because those are the people who are living a life where shotguns are getting racked all the time <laughs> or says something along those lines, right? Mm -hmm. So it's it's calling out right it's it's what what i refer to as bat signal branding right like we we put out this bat signal to attract the right people into our life um whether that's clients friends employees you know i think something that we we rarely talk about in terms of positive benefits of having a show is actually recruiting and having people who want to work with you and already fit the culture of your business um because you're putting out content and great stuff right yeah there's there's so i have my own set of like naughty words, right? The idea of swear words, my list is not always the same as others. And I have this nasty P word, it's called patience. <laughs> and I don't always have it. But what you're talking about requires it. It requires a belief in your brand. Mm -hmm. It requires a belief that your tribe is out there. And it requires the ability to have a conversation of I'm not saying yes to anything that doesn't get me closer to my goal, right? I'm saying no, that doesn't to everything that doesn't get me closer to my ultimate yes. Um, because otherwise we get into exactly what you guys talked about with that desperate place of, I don't know how I'm going to pay payroll next time, or mm -hmm. I got rent coming up. And then we get ourselves into that situation and end up spending so much more time, money, and energy and fixing it. So you have to have the patience to trust your brand, to trust the value of it, and to know that with hard work, that right 
person's going to come along. Yeah. So I want to shift a little bit, um, Amber, to just introduce the other side of the other topic that we mentioned at the top of the show. Can you give the audience a little like, you know, two sentence description, and then we could talk more about it of, of what is neuro-linguistic programming and, and why is it important to understand? Yeah, absolutely. So the actual definition of neuro-linguistics programming is the science of success, right? It's looking at what other people do that have what you want to have and learning how to model that for yourself. But if we break down the word neuro-linguistics programming, neuro is your mind, right? The way that your conscious mind and your unconscious mind work together to create your reality. Linguistic is the words, the words you say to yourself, the words you say to other people and how that impacts your reality. And then programming, how do we change it? Yeah, I, I love that. And I and you know, we talk about the way that it works on ourselves. And I think you already mentioned that um that that was why you got into it was for shifting your own mindset. I'm actually going through a, a second round of something called the transformational coaching program right now, which does very similar. It's not it it doesn't use NLP as its definition, but everything is certainly rooted in that. It's it's around subconscious programming and identity and behavior shifting and all that kind of stuff. And so it's a way for us to program ourselves. And it's also when you understand these patterns, it helps us be better communicators to have a better impact on the people we are communicating with. Absolutely. There's, I mean, we can get into this on another episode because we do a deep dive on it, but the reality yeah. is there's four ways that people communicate. And once you understand those four ways, you can learn how to talk to somebody in the way that they want to talk. And mm -hmm. it sounds so crazy, but it's no different than traveling somewhere and talking to somebody who only speaks Chinese and English and expecting them to understand what you're saying. Mm -hmm. Like our mind understands a particular language and we have to speak that language to somebody else for them to understand us. And in order for us to do that, we have to be capable of shifting our language to match somebody else's. Yeah, yeah, totally. And so... When we talk about these mindset shifts, a mindset shift that I think a lot of entrepreneurs need to go through in the modern world, like, you know, back to season two of the show, um, onairbrands.com slash show for you guys to catch up on those is about the, the need to shift into having, being a, a media company as your modern business, right? Like every business in today's world is a blank company, whether it's you're a roofing company, whether you're a graphic design company, whatever, you're a blank company plus a media company where you need to be producing content and putting content out on a regular basis, right? We obviously prefer the show format. We like to do video shows, live streamed, and then repurposed via audio. Uh, it's a very efficient way to do it. And that's what we obviously coach and recommend and help with. But uh, it's a mindset shift to understand a couple things. One, I think recognizing, and we talked about this on the PodMax show earlier, is that people, businesses think about advertising and marketing where they need to put out like commercials, right? Like they need to disrupt people, interrupt them and be somewhere. But when you can own the content, that's when you have the attention and connection with the audience. And so shifting that and then recognizing the mindset shift from being a content consumer to a content creator and a content producer I think that's those are the kind of identity shifts that modern entrepreneurs need to have. And I think that's a, a lot of the stuff that um, what you do, Amber, can help people with, right, is recognizing what shift you need to make and then how to make that shift. 
Yeah, it's, you know, what's coming to my mind is so many things when I went on my journey and I didn't know what I didn't know at the time. And now that I know it, I look back at these experiences and I'm like, son of a, like, that's how they did that, right? <laughs> like, you can see it everywhere. Yeah. In, um, and so when you watch, you know, it's no different than when you are in a particular profession. I'm going to use law for example, because that's what I'm familiar with, but it could be like medical, for example. And you try to watch law shows on TV mm -hmm. and you're like, that's not real life, yeah. right? <laughs> when you know what happens inside the mind and you know how marketing works, you can look back and be like, oh, that's why this worked. And that's why I didn't buy this product because mm -hmm. they failed at this stage of yeah. it. And it's almost like, so my trainer, when you get through all of her NLP trainings, um, she calls it the matrix. And we all thought she was joking. She's like, you don't see words anymore. You right. see code, you yeah. see like, and, and when you know marketing, that's what it is, right? You're not hearing a commercial. You're hearing a, an attention getter. You're hearing yeah. a call to action. You're seeing the pieces of it that make up the equation, but people who don't know are just seeing a commercial and they don't understand why they're picking up the phone. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny, you know, it, it following, you know, if you codif codify these types of things, it's why do you think corny infomercials are still running so much for decades it's because they are all structured in a way that although they come off corny they are all structured in this way that get attention create interest and desire solve a problem show social proof they they put all these things in the proper order where it cre it, it creates interest desire and action for people to actually start buying these products it's like yes i need 17 ginsu knives please right now yes exactly yeah. Yes. No, that's why my grandma who made blankets for us every Christmas had a shop full of Snuggies. All right. <laughs> it doesn't like you, just, have you buy stuff, right? Um, no, it's really interesting because we have, I think the timer says we're 33 minutes in. So we made it 33 minutes without the C word, but oh, I was on Clubhouse. And, it um, right. Um, the first time I went into this room from somebody who I absolutely love, he, um, we talked and then he's like, I'm going to send you your activation badge. What's your Instagram? I'm like, what the hell is an activation badge? Right. And so he, um, I go to my Instagram and there's this corny ass, like you are awesome badge. Right. <laughs> I'm like, this is the most ridiculous thing ever. And I will never forget it. And so I'm calling my friend and I'm like, dude, you are not going to believe what this guy did. Well, now she's jumping in his room. Right. And yep. that's what those infomercials uh, are is like, yes, everybody knows it's corny. And yet everybody talks about how corny it is. And then they buy the stuff. Yeah. 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 And so, you know, I think just at a high level, um, can you give some examples of like, what's involved in the NLP exercises or methodology, like things like pre-framing or double bind and like those types of things that, that are things that we're going to be introducing this season to help people make their mindset shift to create their company as a media company to become content creators instead of consumers. And then also understand how to create that content in a way that helps their business grow without being corny, like the infomercials are. <laughs> Yeah. So, I mean, I think we mentioned one earlier and that's the 
way that you need to format your episodes and the way that you need to format your topics inside. And that's your format system. You need to talk about why you need to talk about what you need to talk about how and you need to talk about what if. If you don't do those in that order, the people who, it goes down to your patience, right? So the people who are why people, they um, need to know why and they need to know why fast or else they're tuning out. So they have the, they have the least amount of patience. So you start with them. Then the people who are what people, they're like, okay, tell me what we're doing. I'll listen to you talk about the why people, but if you start going into how I'm out because you've missed this, oh. this idea. So they have the second level of patience and then your how people. If you don't, if you start talking about how first, like this is how we're going to do this. Your why people are like, I don't care how, like, why am I here? And your what people are like, I don't even know what we're talking about. I'm out. <laughs> right. And then they're not listening to you anymore. So when you do this episode and it, it really is like an art form where you do an episode and you're like, okay, the entire your episode needs to be this, but then each topic inside the episode needs to be formatted that way as well. Because when you shift topics, they're like, okay, I don't know why I'm listening anymore because we're not talking about this anymore. And so that's a big part of it. The other part of it is the way people talk and the way they think. So there's, as far as processing styles are concerned, there's four really major processing styles. They're your auditory digitals, your um, visual your auditory and your kinesthetic. Your auditory digitals, they're gonna say words like, do you understand? I think, they're, they're your thinkers. Your visual processors are gonna say, do you, see what, do you see what I'm talking about? Do you see how this would work for you? Your auditory is gonna be like, does that sound good to you? And your kinesthetic people are gonna say, hey, you know, this feels right. So if you start talking to a kinesthetic and you're like, how does that sound to you? They're like, I don't even know what you're saying. You're speaking Chinese to me. <laughs> so once you know that you need to incorporate which if you're talking to a big audience, you need to incorporate them all. But when you're talking to one-on-one, -on -one, maybe you're interviewing somebody, you can find out what their processing system is, what their processing style is by the words they say. And then you talk back to them in those same words and you can have this connection with them that you couldn't have otherwise. I definitely feel that. And I see where you're going. But what I heard uh, there was. Uh, <laughs> I, was like, I hope he did that on purpose because that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, this is really opening an amazing vault of value that I think just that little nugget of understanding what sequence of of things you talk about in an episode is gold for our listeners uh, for when they're creating a show. And this is exactly the stuff that we're going to be bringing every week during season three with Amber so that you guys are not just going through the motions of creating content, but creating the right content the right way so that it has a massive impact on your business and on your audience. Yeah, I'm super excited for it. Like, I um, am not the marketing person at all. Like, I don't know how Facebook ads work. I don't know how any of that works, but I can tell you how the mind works. Like, I can talk for sure. Mm. If you guys haven't figured that out by now, I think if there's a timer, I'm definitely like still in, still in the time. This is your show. Spotlight's on uh, you today. <laughs> yeah, no, don't say that. I'm out. <laughs> This is great, and um, and really, I'm so excited for this season, and and I want to just say thank you, Josh and Eric, uh, for the awesome season two. Everybody catch up and binge on that as a primer to getting a show launched and growing for your business on airbrands.com slash show, and from there, you can also subscribe to make sure you don't miss an episode of season three here, where Amber and I are going to be taking over 
fully and diving into these different types of topics like we talked about today to help you really create massive impact with the content and shows that you're putting out for your business. And of course, if you do want some help with uh, creating and launching a show, that's what that's what On Air Brands does. So that's just onairbrands.com if you want to check that out. And Amber, one last time, tell everybody where they can find you since this is your first time on the show. Yeah, the best place is going to be on um, my website at morethancorporate.com. From that website, you'll be able to access my podcast, my Facebook group. You'll be able to get some links to some of the um, coaching opportunities that I have and also book a call with me so we can get to know each other. All right. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. Thank you, Eric and Josh. And thank you. thank you to Rob behind the scenes. Thank you everybody for watching and listening. Make sure you're subscribed. And if you know someone who would get some benefit out of this episode, please share it with them on airbrands.com slash show. And we will catch you next week. You are now tuned in to the On Air Brands podcast.